welcome to another episode of Christian Talk. I'm so glad that you joined me. My name is Karen, and tonight, or today, depending on where you are, my topic of discussion, I wanted to discuss purity. And to hear that word, many times we think of purity is thinking uh, in a sexual way. You know, a woman says they want a woman or girl wants to be pure or stay pure for for marriage or wait until marriage or a young man or a man. And it has many different meanings as far as biblically the word purity and to be pure and what that means. So I just wanted to read from start with reading from scripture from chapter I'm sorry <laughs> from Luke the book of Luke chapter 10 verse 27 the man answered you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself so that's saying a lot that's saying to love God love the Lord with all not some all your heart soul mind strength so And it states in the little commentary in my Bible, it reads, This excerpt in religious law was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and Leviticus 19.18. He correctly understood that the Lord demanded total devotion to God and love for one's neighbor. Jesus talked more about these laws elsewhere. And yes, this is all throughout the Bible. And yeah, so right now, let's just, I'm just going to discuss. So purity, I'm going to be focusing this discussion on Psalm 73. And Psalm 73 is written by Asaph. And Asaph was the leader of one of David's Levitical choirs. And it says he collected Psalms 73 to 83. So... In Psalm 73, verse 25, reads, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. So, these words that the psalmist gives us is the ultimate definition of a pure heart. Can you relate to this? 
Now, we can ask ourselves, is there truly nothing we desire besides God? And perhaps we want to be this way, but we just aren't there yet and aren't even sure how to get there. Maybe you have tasted it, but you can't seem to hang on to it. Life's pressures mount and close in around you, and the desire for relief crowds out the desire for God himself. God wants us to know what it's like to desire nothing but him. That's why he allows us to find such little lasting satisfaction with the world's toys and joys. We get something we've always wanted, or a dream comes true, yet it quickly becomes just part of life's routine. So what do we do? We set out to lay hold of something new, an earthbound pleasure. And that's so true. We're always striving for something else. I know personally, that is, I get bored. Well, when I was younger, I would get bored very quickly. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of people. You know, you get bored, you know, you you look at something and it's like, oh yeah, I really want that. I mean, even just take the iPhones. The iPhones come out like, what is it, every year? with a new phone, a new, better, wonderful, upgraded, you know, that you have to have, you have to have it. Um, I know probably for younger people, it's more of a pull, you know, for, for me, I mean, I'm fine with what I have, but it's like that with anything, with, with a car you may have, everything sooner or later is going to get old, you know, laptops and you know phones and TVs and you want the newer model well God created that us with that dissatisfaction because we're not supposed to be focused on the world on this on the earthly materialistic things of this world so I wanted to read, I'm not going to read, let's see, chapter, okay, so I'm going to start reading in the beginning of Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose heart are pure, but as for me, I almost lost my footing, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. 
I'm sorry, I'm on verse 11. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying life of ease while these rich multiply, while their riches multiply? Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way of others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. I may as well, it's not too, I'm reading, it's 28 verses, so I'll read the whole thing. I'm up to verse 17. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over cliff, the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at a dream in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I love that verse. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who, are, who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Amen. So, Asap, you see at the end, he declares his confidence in God's presence and guidance. From birth to death, we are continually in God's grip, but far more we have the hope of the resurrection. Though our courage and strength may fail, we know that one day we will be raised to life to serve him forever. He is our security and we must cling to him. So I was thinking this is very relatable to what is going what I feel is going on somewhat now with how things going on right now. Not not to get political. But what's going on right now in the world, it seems like the rich prosper, um, people who right now are suffering, whether it's, you know, well, with the pandemic, great economic suffering. Um, and honestly, it's like, I just don't understand. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't, where you can have a government that they go on vacation, knowing that people are getting evicted or have no jobs, their unemployment is run out. And it's like, wow. But I mean, that's been since the beginning of time. 
And I'm not saying that all rich people or people that money are wicked. Some people do wonderful things with their money. They help people. Um, it's not a sin to have money. It's the way you use it. It says in the Bible, and many people will say, well, the love of money is the root of all evil. No, they'll say money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's not the money. It's when you start loving the money. And sadly, that's what we're seeing now um, in society. So I would just say if you can do good, that's fine. Then that you know it's a blessing, but there's many scriptures um, that say it's hard for a rich man to get in, into heaven. It's easier to go through for a cam for a needle to go through for a cam camel to go through the eye of a needle. There's many scriptures that Jesus refers to. So, like I said, I'm not putting down people who have money or saying that it's bad. It's just the way you use it. So. If we're looking to love anything or any, anything or anyone above God, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never, we're never going to be happy. And that's the whole thing. And that takes, I mean, am I there yet? No, that takes a lot. You have to, you know, there's, we live with our senses. So we see things, we want things, you know. It may be shoes, it may be makeup, it may be... Everyone has something. Like for me, I just... I like books, I like to read, makeup. Well, not makeup like I used to, but... I used to just, you know, the, the latest makeup, that was my thing. And then you realize it's like it's never enough. Because it's always going to be something new. Always. So, it, you will never be satisfied and that's how God created us. So, just in summer, summary, um, I just wanted to read a little bit that from um, ASAP is that it says the way, so the way to get there is the same way the psalmist ASAP got there and Psalm 73 recounts his journey. At one point, he was just like most of us at times, dissatisfied with life. In fact, he was more than simply dissatisfied. He was resentful. He looked around and saw that people who make no effort to follow God seemed to get more from this life than the faithful. It made no sense to him, and Asaph was resentful and jealous. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's in verses 2 to 3. And he goes on to say, just to recount that basically how the wicked seem to be blessed and grumbling and complaining and all of that. Now, grumbling against what God ordains in our lives 
makes him seem small in our eyes. And of course, when God seems small to us, we aren't going to desire him very much. That's where Asaph had allowed himself to go. And that left him focused squarely on the pleasures, the wealth, and the seeming, notice seeming security enjoyed by those who pour their energies into maximizing what they can from this life. Behold, these are the wickedly ways. I'm sorry. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. That's from verse 12. So, the question for me, for you, do you ever feel that way? Are there times when you question whether Christ, whether Christian discipleship is worth it? Jesus said that those who follow him may have to forego much of what this world has to offer. He also said that the benefits of following him ultimately outweigh the cost. But when the going gets rough, we begin to have second thoughts. Most of us don't turn our backs on Jesus and refuse to walk with him any longer. What we do instead is try to have it both ways. We get up in the morning. We read our Bible. Practice outward obedience. But we are pouring as much, if not more, of our time and energy into comfort, pleasure, success, and being loved by people. When it comes right down to it, we want God, but we want what everyone else has too. So what turned the psalmist around? How did he go from an envious grumbler to a pure-hearted worshiper? The turning point came for Asaph when he stopped looking around him and began to look up. He went into the sanctuary of God. That's in verse 17. From there, he was able to see the reality of things. Looking at God brings everything else into proper focus. When we look at things through the lens of our personal perspective, everything we see is going to be warped. But the only way to know that our perspective is misshapen is by looking at everything through the lens of Scripture. So, we get pure hearts by looking away from the world and up to God. And we see him in scripture. As we do that, we will find what Asap found. And that is going to be less of this world, more of God. Now, is that something that comes automatically no we are in this world but we have to we we that's something that we have to put into practice and that that is from being in his word from prayer from being getting closer to god because let's face it right now the world it's not looking too good and i'm not saying that the world's going to end but I think if our priorities aren't straight right now, and we're looking to man the government um, to solve, to make us happy, um, it's not gonna happen. Sadly, 
things are going on in the world that is just it's 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 a lot um i just was reading just tonight before i did this podcast that one of the um trials of the vaccine for covid is being stopped from the uk and the third i think someone got very sick i think it was on the third they were starting the third trial they're stopping it there is no guarantee of anything god is in control of everything um God is the only one that's going to solve this COVID. He knows when it's going to end and how it's going to end. Yes, he gives knowledge to the doctors, but rushing a vaccine, they have to make sure that people don't get sick. So I just want to leave you with just put your hope, your trust, your prayers in the Lord. Don't get Try not to look at the news too much because that will depress you. Look to God. Pray to him. He is in control. And he will get us through. So with that, I thank you for listening to this podcast. God bless you all. Please just look deep into your heart. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, And really just ask him because things are going on and that's where we want to be. This world is not going, we are not going to live here forever. God loves you and he wants to see no one perish. All right, God bless you everyone and I will see you in my next podcast.